Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and AJ. Joining us now is a man who has been covering the New York Rangers, New York Islanders, and New York New Jersey Devils for multiple publications since the beginning of the 2016-2017 NHL season. Along the way, he's covered the New York Rangers' 2016-17 playoff run against Montreal and Ottawa, the 2018 NHL Winter Classic, the retirement ceremonies for John Rattel and Vic Hatfield, the introduction of David Quinn as the 35th head coach in New York Rangers history, the Devils' 2017-18 playoff run, Islanders' 2018-19 playoff run, as well as numerous other events involving each of the three teams. He's written a series of books, the latest being Unforgettable New York Islanders, Games and Moments from the Press Box, Ice, and Front Office. It is a thrill to welcome back our friend Matt Blitner to 540 AM Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Matty. How you doing? Hi, Mark. Glad to be here, and thank you for that wonderful introduction. No problem, and we're glad you're with us, and hope uh, you and yours and your family are healthy and doing fine in this crazy time right now. Um, so your latest Unforgettable Islanders, Games and Moments from the Press Box, Ice and Front Office, completes the hat trick for you, and serves as a fo- final volume in the historical trilogy of the Metro Hockey teams, Rangers, Devils, and Islanders. So first off, all, what was your inspiration for this particular series of books? Well, it goes back to, and I know Islander fans aren't going to like this too much, but it goes back to the Rangers' 25th anniversary of the 94 Stanley Cup championship, which they had last year. And I wanted to come out with a book about the whole 94 Cup run, and I threw around a couple of ideas, and eventually I settled on getting the stories of the writers and the broadcasters, because those people bring the stories of the players to the fans, but no one really ever hears the stories from them themselves. So I figured now would be a good time to do so. And then after the positive reception of the Rangers book, I said, you know what, let's do either Devils or Islanders. I was talking with Steve Tangelosi in the Madison Square Garden press room, and he had told me, you know, do Devils first. Uh, there were a number of factors involved, so I did the Devils. And then that came out back in September. And then I said, well, the first team I ever covered was the Islanders, so it's a nice way to bring everything just full circle and got the Islanders both done. So what are some of the different challenges you face when writing about each franchise? Well, one is actually going to be funny for, in terms of for the fans. A lot of people don't really want to, you know, if you're writing something Ranger-wise, Islanders and Devils people sort of act as if it doesn't exist and vice versa for all three of the teams. Uh, and then, obviously, they don't want to share the story. But a lot of people who have covered one of the teams have covered either two of the three or all three. And so to hear them talk about the stories that they've had with each of the teams is very unique because it's something that they, you know, everyone always pictures, okay, well, the broadcasters or the writers, they're going to be passionate about whichever team it is that they're covering. But then you go back and realize, wait a second, they were on the opposite side of this rivalry uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And people like Stan Fischler and like Larry Brooks and Howie Rose have been around each of the teams. Well, Howie wasn't around the Devils, but they were around multiple of the teams, and it really gives different perspectives from the side of the rivalry that has been in New York hockey and New Jersey hockey for the last several decades. 
Uh, of the three teams, which of the fan base uh, seems to have embraced your books more? Uh, that's a tough question to answer, but I'm going to go with the Rangers just because I think most people associated my early work with Madison Square Garden Networks.com, well, MSGNetworks.com, uh, covering the Rangers during the end of the 1718 season. Uh, but there's definitely been a lot of positive responses from the Devils and our own fan bases. The Devils Booster Club actually had me there uh, back in the fall to come speak to all their members, and that was just a terrific night. Uh, I was supposed to talk to them for 45 minutes, and after an hour and a half, we were still going, having a lot of laughs along the way. And, of course, Ireland Defense has actually been pretty good with this book now, too. I mean, there's not a lot of hockey going on right now, so they want to get their hockey fixed in somehow, and I guess the book is uh, their way of doing so. It's interesting because your latest book, you focus on the Islanders who have a very rich history, and even a Ranger fan would have to admit that that 1980s Islanders were one of the greatest teams in hockey history. What was your goal when you started out this book? And being born after that dynasty run, how much did you know about that particular team? Well, so the whole thing was for this book, where the Rangers won really focused on 94 and 2014 to an extent, and then the Devils won encompassed the different pockets of their greatness. The Islanders have actually had, in terms of making the playoffs, probably been the most consistent. They don't really go too long. Outside of the mid to late 90s, they really didn't miss the playoffs for too long in any stretches. So the goal was to get all parts of the Islanders' history, from their inaugural season, 72, all the way through last year involved in this book. And there are people who, along the way, I was able to track down from Holy to Chester III, who was the Islanders' first PR director in that 72 season, all the way to people like Brendan Burke and Shannon Hogan, who are on Islanders TV on a nightly basis now. And it was really just the ability to get everyone involved and get the entire Islanders' history to be put together in this one volume was the best part of this. It's interesting you mentioned some of the names. Neil Best, Larry Brooks, Frank Brown, Brendan Burke, Pat Calabria, Brian and Eric Compton, Stan Fischler, Alan Hahn, Shannon Hogan, Chris King, Alan Crater, Steve Mears, Barry Mizell, Bobby Nystrom, Glenn Chico Resch, Howie Rose, Neil Smith, Arthur Staple, John Sterling, Rich Torrey, Ed Westfall. It kind of reads like a who's who in Islander history. Was there one interview that after you turned off your mic, you just went, wow, that was unbelievable? I think there were a couple of interviews where I said that even while the microphone was still going, to be honest. <laughs> um, especially when stories from Larry Brooks and Pat Calabria, who were young beat reporters, they were probably in their late 20s, early 30s at the time when the Islanders were first ascending. They weren't quite in the dynasty just yet. And they, they were around the same age as a number of the players, and they used to go out with the players socially. That's something that you don't really see nowadays anymore. So to hear them talk about the stuff that would go on and all the wholesome and clean family stuff, but, you know, the stuff nonetheless that they would go through and hang out with the players after the games at whatever bar, Dr. Generosity's near Lawndar, near the Coliseum was always a popular spot for a lot of them. So those were definitely some, you know, very interesting stories. And then, of course, a game that really garnered a lot of reaction from people was the Easter Epic four overtime game that ended on Pat LaFontaine's goal at almost 2 o'clock in the morning. And while people associate that as, okay, it's one of the longest games in NHL history, even though it's been bumped down a few spots over the last 15 to 20 years, they 
still had a whole travel to get back home, and they had not one but two delays, the Islanders. They got delayed due to weather leaving D.C., and then they get delayed once they get back in New York because the bus is at the wrong airport, and so it takes them even longer to get back to the Coliseum before they can get in their cars and go home. And then they have to be back to the Coliseum in a few hours to go to Philadelphia for the next series. Well, so cool. it was just it was something that was really uh, they they were just shocked that they were able to get through it at that point. Which was cool about that is there are three different people that chronicle that game, so you get three different you know looks at that. So I, I thought that was a pretty cool part of the book. Uh, for me, the thrill of doing a book is unearthing one of those stories that no one knows about or remembers. Uh, it's same for me when I read a book, and your Holly Chester chapter is one of those for me. Like, says, whoa, this is pretty cool stuff. Tell our audience a little bit about that March eleventh, nineteen seventy three game. Sure. So. As I mentioned before, Holly Chester III, he was the Islanders' inaugural PR director. And PR directors have a lot of responsibility when it comes to all sports and especially hockey. But one responsibility they don't have is to suit up and play in the actual game. That job is for the players, or so we think. So Holly was a former collegiate ice hockey player uh, for a part of his college career. And... So he was sitting down in the media dining room in Minnesota when the Islanders went to play the North Stars at the end of their inaugural season. They hadn't really been winning that season. They had a lot of injuries, a couple players were sick. They had maybe 14, 15 healthy guys. And Bill Torrey comes up to him after he finished eating and said, by the way, we need you to suit up tonight. We're going to sign you to a one-day contract. Uh, and, you know, we just need the bodies in there because we don't even have enough to field a healthy team at this point. And Holly's just like, I just ate a big meal. I don't have my skates. I don't have my equipment. And they're going back and forth. And eventually he gets Tory to leave him alone, essentially, and not go through with it. So he's watching the game from the press box up above. And there's a moment in the game, late in the game, when the Arms of the Jonas is in net and commits a penalty. And as we know, goalies don't leave the crease to throw the penalty box. A player has to, though. And for a shorthanded Islander team, this is even more problematic than it normally would be. And so the Islanders sent someone across the ice into the penalty box, and that's all he's watching. He realized that probably would have been him because he would have been that spare body to go across the ice, go into the penalty box, serve the penalty, and then when the time expires on it, come back out onto the ice, possibly have to skate a little bit, and then go on to the bench, and he would have been logged in officially as having played probably just a couple of seconds of time, but he would have logged in as being an active NHL player, and it hit him that way a second. You know, I basically begged out of this, and it just would have been a very unique thing. I know there's been a lot of talk recently about emergency backup goaltenders the last few years, and so that's something that, you know, some people maybe get a chance to fulfill a lifelong dream, but we don't think we've found any PR directors who have had to suit up past or present, but that would definitely have been an interesting situation had it happened. Absolutely love that chapter. So any chance that you would uh, round out and and maybe make a fourth book and do something on the Sabres? You know, uh, (laughs) nothing's impossible. I said to myself after the Ranger book, I was never going to do another book. I really didn't have a, a thought to do a series. And then the response of it changed my mind. And then after one, after doing two books, I said, all right, well, I guess bring it full circle. So I'm not going to rule anything out. 
Um, but I don't know that I have any plans at the moment to do a fourth book or a book about the Sabres. Looks like a lot of people are going to have time on their hands, so you might want to start it now, Matty. Matt, thanks so much for your time tonight. We really appreciate it. And thank you, Mark. And again, I hope you and everyone there are staying safe and everyone listening at home or wherever they may be is also staying safe. Awesome. Thanks so much, Matt Blitner, author of Unforgettable New York Islanders Games and Moments from the Press Box, Ice and Front Office, available now on Amazon. You know, stock up on your reading. It's going to be a while.